Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to a, another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. Taping this on a Friday morning. Howard Beck, the cat guy. Howard Beck and the dog man, Chase Thomas, on this edition of the podcast. Howard, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Yeah, your listeners missed a riveting discussion comparing and contrasting dog ownership versus cat ownership, which, uh, you know, maybe we should just make that a a separate, like, uh, paid version or something. Mm. Bonus bonus content for your most loyal <laughs> listeners or something, because it was it was good stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what's the strangest animal you've seen like in New York? I imagine there are a lot of people that have strange pets in New York. What's the strangest one you've seen? Strangest? Um, that's a good question. I, 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 I think there's been rumors of people who you know own pet ferrets and stuff, which I think mm. is illegal, but I haven't actually seen one though. So um, no, I don't know, man. We, we got a lot of rats around here, a lot of pigeons around here, which mm -hmm. are just flying rats. Um, but those aren't pets. That's just the stuff we deal with by living in New York. Well, how about this? What's the strangest thing you've seen on the streets of New York <laughs> as of late? Oh man, you want a list? Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave out all the various ways in which I've seen people relieve themselves okay. on the streets of New York because that's just gross. And now you gotta I've go, already, and you gotta go, man. I've already alluded to it, so mm -hmm. it's, it's I've already violated the whole the whole uh, decorum. Um, I, I saw it. So Flatbush is this massive, massive avenue, right? Of I don't know, eight lanes of just crazy traffic. And I once mm -hmm. saw a guy like, uh, you know, uh, riding his unicycle down Flatbush. And I thought, well, that's a very Brooklyn thing. The guy's riding his unicycle down Flatbush, probably while mm -hmm. on his cell phone. Um, there's a guy, I can't remember his name. Somebody wrote about him within the last six or seven months. There's a guy who you'll just see zipping around on, again, on a unicycle. I don't know what, what is with unicycles in Brooklyn. Um, <laughs> but who can who just balances a ball on his head hmm. and he's moving around and he's like the, the ball never moves i don't i don't know how that works uh but it's really impressive often he's like i don't know singing or belting stuff out too while he's doing this just kind of cruising around you know prospect park or cruising around the streets um occasionally uh the street uh with one of the streets the main drag that's this nearest to me uh they'll just be a massive convoy of um people on motorcycles uh three-wheelers whatever just, and it's loud as hell but it's uh -huh. just they're just cruising to wherever they go and the, the people on the three-wheelers are um are doing a wheelie so that they're back on their back wheels and it just looks like they're going to fall backwards and, and crush themselves the whole time but they're just flying down the street i don't know man like any given day you just don't know what you're gonna walk out and see yeah have you ever i feel like you're you've never driven a motorcycle you don't strike me as a motorcycle guy I have been on some motorcycles. I had, I cannot say I have piloted a motorcycle. Yeah, I was going to say, I, did, I wouldn't have guessed that. I haven't either. Uh, it's just not, not a lot of journalists. Do we know any journalists? Like some capital J, like is Zach Lowe out here in Brooklyn on a <laughs> motorcycle? Saw Zach last night at Barclays Center, uh, mm. but I believe he took an Uber. Um, mm. No, I cannot imagine <laughs> that you Zach know on of. a motorcycle. Can you confirm? I, I, uh, yes, I saw him leave the arena, so I saw him get mm. in the car. Um, I, I, I would, um, dude, just the image of Zach on a motorcycle. Mm -hmm. That's, that's just, that's just a lot of fun right there. I would, yeah. I would put that in the 10 things that I like and don't like under, <laughs> under things that I like is the idea of Zach on a motorcycle while writing 10 things he likes and doesn't like. There you go. Um, how do we, uh, just 
bring in the Lakers into this uh, conversation. Well, I mean, we kind of half segued into NBA just by invoking Zach's name. And that's probably true. on his latest likes and don't likes. There's probably a Laker item there somewhere if I looked hard enough. Um, Do people shout at Zach? Or you? Oh, wait, no. The, the, the first paragraph of his, I have it up on my screen. The first paragraph is, it's time for his first 10 things and mercifully a Los Angeles Lakers free edition. So there we go. He's already ruled out. You and I have to talk about the Lakers because Zach uh, won't. There we go. Oh, yeah. People just don't want to do it. They uh, they don't want to do I, it. But we're, Look, I, I get it. I've, I've been at this a long time, and I also spent seven years covering the Lakers in the Shaq mm. and Kobe era. Um, people get very tired of the Lakers very quickly if they're not Laker fans. And I'm guessing that even the Laker fans, and maybe especially the Laker fans, are probably really, really tired of having to discuss uh, what a freaking disaster their team is right now. But yeah, the rest of the country kind of gets sick of like uh, we in the media, um, quote unquote, shoving the Lakers down their throat. But it's like, I, I always say on, on issues like this, when it comes to NBA coverage, whether you think there was too much LeBron coverage, too much Lakers, too much Knicks, too much whatever for the rest of the country, like we do live in an age where everything can be quantified and is, and editors and producers and other people wouldn't keep, uh, asking for more analysis of the Lakers and LeBron and whatever else is bothering, uh, folks. Um, if you all weren't also clicking on it <laughs> and listening to it. So it's a love hate thing that uh, NBA fandom has with some of these figures because they say, we don't want to hear anymore. We don't want to listen. We don't want to read. We don't want to click, but you keep coming back. And so it's, it's this, it's this awful loop. We're all stuck in on the floor though, on the floor with the Lakers. What would you say? How would you best, uh, what would be your best summation as to what's plaguing the team on the floor? I mean, where to begin? Uh, I think what's plaguing them most is, is, is simply the obvious lack of sound roster construction. And that falls into a bunch of different categories, but it's just not a well put together roster. Uh, and I think everybody has known that for some time, except for maybe the Lakers themselves, who I feel like have been living in a state of perpetual denial for the last uh, at least 12 months or more, maybe whatever, 15 months, going all the way back to the Westbrook trade that every single person in the league that I talked to at the time of the trade thought was a terrible idea for the Lakers, uh, except for the Lakers. Um, so you start there, but it's, and you know, this is not to say it's all because of one deal, but that deal had a lot to do with it. And it's not just because of who they got, it's also because of who they lost, right? That cost them Contavious Caldwell-Pope and it cost them Kyle Kuzma. It cost them guys who could play both ways and especially guys who were, you know, good long defenders and who could make open threes. Um, and it, in an, and in some indirect way, it you know, arguably cost them Alex Caruso because they decided they couldn't afford the tax bill that would come with re-signing Alex Caruso. Like they just, from that moment forward, even actually, if you want to go back to 2020, when they won the championship, everything they've done since that championship moving forward has been just one thing after another that has unraveled them. Mm. And, uh, you know, they found there's a formula that works around LeBron, even this late stage of LeBron. LeBron is still playing at an all NBA level, right? Like he doesn't play full seasons anymore. And we'll see if he plays a full season this year or close to it. And by full season, we don't mean literally 82, just, you know, what, 70 plus games. Mm. You get this late in your career, you get hurt more often and they take longer to, to come back from. But if LeBron plays 70 plus games, the last couple of years, we can see he's still playing at an all NBA level. And maybe he's, you know, going to take some plays off defensively and all that stuff. Fine. He's putting up all NBA numbers. He's putting up MVP type numbers. And LeBron, this, you know, LeBron, a, a productive LeBron plus shooting and perimeter defenders is has always been a pretty sound formula for winning at a very high level. 
uh, the Lakers have chosen to ignore that repeatedly. And so this is where they are. Uh, I don't think it's easily fixable. I'm not sure if it's fixable at all this season. What do you think of LeBron's uh, latest Instagram post? Uh, I probably have missed it. Um, what have I missed? Hold on. The quote. What did he? I want to get it correct. Uh, what he actually said. But it was one of those. He posted another cryptic Instagram statement. He said. He's good at that. Uh, how long will you be taken for granted? That's it? Yes. Dot, dot, is, dot, dot, dot. Is there, uh, is there an image with this? It's Instagram. It's a there must video, be I think. Um, I Breaking like news video. for me. Uh, where'd it go? Uh, let's see. But it's one of those passive aggressive where it's like, oh, why is his Instagram not coming up? Did he like stop, pull his Instagram? That's weird. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. Uh, I see a LeBron James Family Foundation. I'm not seeing. Wow, that's weird. There's I think a... it went away because uh, Dave McMiniman. Uh, he had this. So Wait, basically, he said it was a picture of LeBron dunking originally, and it said, "How long will you be taking it for granted?" Dot dot dot. Cloud emoji, king emoji. Keep going, kid. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Um. So the post is gone. I think he took the post down. That's interesting. Also, this is all this morning, I suppose. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, that's wild. You know, um, I wonder if that was even supposed to be referring to himself because, oh, I mean, it has to be, right? It's a photo of himself. Right? Yeah. I'm, I'm seeing I'm seeing Dave McMenamin's post now. Uh, how long have you be taken for granted? <laughs> it's weird because, I mean, listen, uh, you know, LeBron at his most honest would obviously have to admit that nobody takes LeBron for granted in general. Mm -hmm. Um I wonder if he feels like it's the being taken for granted in this moment. Like if I were going to, to, to superimpose my own analysis on this, you know, could it be that it's the Lakers are the ones taking him for granted by having built a crap roster around him though. Fairly somebody's going to immediately start screaming, but LeBron wanted Westbrook. Yeah. I mean, I get it. You know, like, yes, LeBron and Anthony Davis uh, certainly bear some responsibility for the state of the roster too, but front office is the front office and ownership is ownership and they're the ones who make the final call on these things and uh you have to you have to realize that the trade for westbrook was a bad idea and you have to decide to tell your star no sometimes and i know there's always a threat of him leaving and all that stuff. stand for something you have to stand for something <laughs> and you have to stand for 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 what you believe is best for the franchise and what's best on the court and even what's best for lebron because we've seen this lebron's not the only one often the best players are terrible as as de facto gms or a in even talent evaluation right like i've, I've heard year after year i've heard guys you know prop up oh this guy's gonna be the next big thing and the players are terrible at this um mm. and so you know being a great player doesn't doesn't necessarily bestow on you great scouting abilities or great roster management abilities so you have to tell your star no and you have to deal with the consequences um they should have said no on the Westbrook thing. I don't care how badly LeBron or Anthony Davis supposedly pushed for it. Your job is to do what's best for the franchise and also for LeBron, even if he doesn't see it. And what was best for LeBron at that moment would be to say, no, we're going to make this smaller trade for Buddy Heald because we need elite shooting around you. Or no, we're going to do the DeMar DeRozan deal or whatever it may have been. Um, anything but the, the decisions that they actually made. Yeah, and I think that was one of those two where it's easy hindsight being 2020 in certain deals, but that's one of those, I think, collectively, 
we were all at the time like, no, 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 no. Don't do this. This was not one of those. Let's see what happens. This might be fun. Like the big three. This uh, this should be fun. I don't recall anyone really uh, being all in on uh, on the Westbrook deal. I, I don't remember anyone being like, what a, what a home run to give up the <laughs> remaining depth that you had on this roster to uh, acquire Russell Westbrook. Like it was not one of those things. And it's funny that we, and like you said, LeBron and Anthony Davis uh, bear some blame for the current state of affairs but it's also like lebron is the best gm of the lakers the last 10 years maybe the last 12 um <laughs> it's also fair and i i just if you remove lebron from the last few years i mean it's just so easy to forget what the lakers were and what they were at the end of the kobe era what they were um with brandon ingram and company and how the rebuild was going uh shout out to Bill jackson how it was going and I forgot about that. LeBron chose to fix the Lakers basically by himself and, you know, got him a title. And I think you're seeing, I think it's just bad. I think it's just an organization that's going like you be careful what you wish for in the post LeBron era. If you're Los Angeles and if you're a Laker fan, like let's just trade LeBron, trade Anthony Davis. I'm like, you want, I mean, Rob Palenka and this ownership group to do another full teardown. Do you do you, do you remember what it was like before LeBron? And are you sure that that's how you want to do the teardown? Um, it's the same with Hornets fans. It's like, oh, we want to tank. I'm like, do you? Are you sure you want to go down that road right now? Are, mm-hmm. Do you trust the direction of this franchise to do that all over again? Um, I don't know. I think it's a pretty scary time. And I, if I'm a Laker fan, I... I just think we have to have this new idea where the Lakers are drifting more and more toward the Knicks. And I think <laughs> that has to be readjusted Oof. for NBA fans and Laker fans that that's kind of where they're going. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I did not see that coming, Chase. Uh, you have, I'm, I'm a little knocked sideways. I got to process that concept. Um, Is that fair, though? I don't think that's a well, hot take. Yeah. No, it's not. Listen, I mean, it's... I think that's why you knocked me sideways because I'm mm. like, I can't, I can't dismiss it out of hand. Um, and I look, you know, for the listeners who are not aware. So I spent my first seven years of my NBA beat writing career covering the Lakers, the Shaq and Kobe Lakers from 1997 to 2004. So mm. I know that franchise pretty well. I left LA in 2004 to come to New York to cover the Knicks for the New York times. And I spent close to nine seasons covering the Knicks. And I've also been in New York ever since. So, you know, they're in my backyard. So these are the two franchises I probably know best from Mm. up close experience um and you know if if you had made any analogy 10 years ago certainly 15 years ago from what the lakers are and what the knicks are i i I would have you know said you're crazy you don't understand the nba or something i don't know i I would have i would have scoffed as as hard as anybody could scoff um the way things have gone for the Lakers, it's interesting. Like, I don't have the numbers up in front of me, but everybody can go look this up. I mean, if you if you go from Kobe's last championship with the Lakers in 2010, you know, they go to three straight finals. They, you know, lose in 08. They, they win in, in 2009 and 2010. Um, and then they have their meltdown in 2011. And then things start to tail off. And then Kobe starts to erode. And then they, you know, they give him a huge kind of, you know, golden parachute kind of deal and it kind of it, it, it you know hamstrings them for a few years but it, okay but it's the it's lot of who cares it's, it's still the final kobe years with the lakers and those are still going to be great because you know kobe is, is is kobe um but if you look at the, the the gap or just the the time span from 2011 through 2022 the last 11 years or so 
the one championship that LeBron and Anthony Davis win in 2020 is, is the clear high point, but everything else surrounding it, both before and after is ugly. Mm -hmm. Even most of LeBron's period of time there has been pretty ugly. And, you know, there's a lot of things that go into that, including a once in a generation pandemic. Um, there's a lot that goes into that, in, including just some, some bad luck along the way things happen, but that's not the way we judge these things. You know, when we're judging the Knicks or we're judging the old sad sack version of the Clippers or the sad sack version of the Wizards slash Bullets or any of the franchises that have that have gone through really long, awful periods. We're, we're not giving you passes for, oh, this, you know, this guy was a really great prospect, but he got hurt. No, he's like, sorry, the results are the results. That's mm -hmm. the that's the deal in sports. And so we, we can all give context and nuance and caveats. But the bottom line is the Lakers have not been a very well-run franchise for the last decade or so i hate to say that because there's a lot of people there I know, i've known a long time and like uh including genie bus but I, I just don't think that they have made a lot of great decisions and uh i, I don't think it's it's comparing them to the knicks is is uh the the, the baseline unfairness of that is only that well the lakers have a championship within the last two years and the knicks don't mm -hmm. have one since you know the early 70s um the lakers have uh, more championships than anybody since 1980. Um, you know, we always talk about them and, and the Celtics of 17 titles and all this stuff, but the, the, the vast majority of the Celtics titles were won very, very long ago in the modern era. If you want to go from 80 forward, it's the Lakers by far. Um, so that gives them, that's not to give them a pass. And it's not to say that past success indicates future, uh, success. And it's, and it's not to give them too much buffer, but, they have earned more benefit of the doubt because of a more recent history of success at a very high level. I just, if you're, if LeBron wanted to live in New York and do the movie stuff in New York the last couple of years versus LA, I think it's, it, we look at this completely different um, in this current state of affairs. I also, um, there's a crazy. reason he didn't choose the Knicks though. Like LeBron's had True. multiple chances to choose the Knicks. There's a reason yeah. that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving but for better or worse, <laughs> chose the Nets over the Knicks. I'm not sure which which way that goes right now. But the bottom line is, you want to you want those kinds of players, the, the the best players, to want to choose you. So the results in Brooklyn, notwithstanding, for the moment, it it was a statement about how they viewed the Nets versus how they viewed the Knicks. Um, mm -hmm. When Paul George and Kawhi Leonard go to the Clippers, it was a statement about how the Clippers are now viewed. Like those things do matter on some level. Um, what would you do with Anthony Davis at this point? Let, let's say that the playoffs are just out of reach. Yeah. Um, he's just not, it's, I think it's pretty clear, right? At this point, he's just never going to be bubble Anthony Davis ever again. Like it's probably the ship sailed with his age and injuries. Like it's probably over. I, I asked a couple of, uh, scouts from other teams recently, um, a question along these lines, which mm -hmm. was, all right let's say the Pacers deal is still on the table for Westbrook Westbrook plus the two future picks for healed and Turner. And, and nobody's saying that's going to make the Lakers a contender, but it makes them relevant again. It makes them a lot better. It makes them at least a viable playoff team, which is better than where they are right now, which is not a playoff team at all. Um, it's one step forward and it's a way to not completely waste this season of LeBron's career during a period of time when you don't know how much longer he's got at this level. I said, but, what if we didn't stop there? What if the Lakers decided to trade Anthony Davis because he's there? Like Westbrook's a net negative asset, right? You have to attach the picks to get anything uh, of value in return. 
Anthony Davis is still a positive asset, but how much of a positive asset? Mm-hmm. And in both of these rival scouts who have both been in this league for a long time and have worked in front offices and everything else, um, they basically said that Anthony Davis is not going to get you another star in return, even in a one-for-one. One. Like, you're not trading Anthony Davis for, say, Bradley Beal. That deal's not happening. Really? really? Yeah. Uh, according to these two. Maybe other people mm. may disagree. But they basically said that the Anthony Davis that we once thought of as a potential top five player, a potential MVP, a guy you can build your team around, a guy who will one day take the baton from LeBron even and be the guy that they're that they function around while LeBron starts to to, you know, take more of a secondary role as playmaker or whatever as he gets older. Da, 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 da. That, that, those are the conversations we were having a few years ago. Mm hmm. People aren't viewing Anthony Davis that way because of his injury history, because of his either inability or or unwillingness to to play through injuries, um, just how much he's he seems to have fallen off. And so these guys are saying that if you traded Anthony Davis, if you put him on the market right now, what you would get back is maybe a collection of decent role players and maybe some picks. So, you know, role players and picks like you could get a good package for him. Mm hmm. But it, you're not getting another all-star in return. You're certainly not getting multiple stars. You're you're not getting the kind of package that you once would have gotten for him when he was perceived as a potential top five player. Do you think um, the Heat would give up Bam for him? I don't think so. Mm. I mean, I, I I don't know. I hadn't thought of that until you just said it. So I'm I'm giving you my just gut response. I'm gonna, I'm going to say no. That would be interesting for both sides. I mean, the Heat not off to a great start. Um, two and four. You know, he's always Pat Riley. I was looking for stars, Jimmy and AD. You know, that'd be interesting. I'm sure how Jimmy and AD would go. Jimmy may not like, like, yeah. <laughs> given what we know about Jimmy and given what we know about Anthony Davis, that's probably a bad pairing. I, uh, my, my this is, uh, <laughs> with the Lakers, something that I've thought for a while, Howard, and you could probably speak more to this than me, is that I think LeBron is too smart to have, have seen this going any other way. Uh, for a while now. I think LeBron's known that this is over. And I said, I think it was Ben Golliver uh, a few months back where I said, I think LeBron has known he's already played his last meaningful basketball game. Like, I think he already knows that that ship sailed and there's so much in LeBron just being a good family guy and so focused on playing with Bronny and that being his, like, he's not chasing rings. He's chasing an opportunity to stay in this league and play with his son uh, for a year uh, or two years, whenever, and chase the scoring record. And you, you're you already seeing how he's scoring and how he's playing this year. I think LeBron has always known. He's looked around the roster. Like, LeBron knows. Like, opening night, he's like, what, do you see what I'm passing to? Like, I like we're not going to win. Like, the shooting's not there. LeBron knows. LeBron knows. understands all of this. And I think he's just, I think he's content. He just strikes me as a superstar that is content. He, that's the reason he's brought up the ownership stuff, that he's going to want to get the Vegas uh, ownership group. He wants to play with his son. He's doing the movies. He's moving on to the next phase. I think LeBron is kind of at peace. That's why I don't see him forcing a trade or bouncing around these last couple of years. I think it's kind of wild that it, maybe a lot of fans aren't ready for this. But I think LeBron knows he is not going to play in another meaningful basketball game uh playoff game uh ever again i think it's i think that ship sailed i think he knows am i am i is that too hot of a take for you howard um no i mean i think there's something to it and i think even within the last few years like 
look, we already know he's the only guy to have taken not just one championship with three different teams, taken three different teams to the mm-hmm. title, right? He's that's something that makes him dis- distinct among you know all the all time greats. Um, he restored some luster to the Lakers when they had really kind of lost it for mm-hmm. for a, a long stretch there. He got to win a championship in a Laker uniform, which just you know, I mean, look, it's 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 the Lakers. They're the they I would say are are the most iconic NBA franchise and one of the most iconic sports franchises on the globe. Um, and so he's got his he's, he's got four rings. All right, no, it's not Kobe's five and it's not Michael's six. It's not Bill Russell's eleven. Not that anybody's ever touching that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's he has a distinct and incredible resume that has already established him for all time. Right. And mm-hmm. I, I, like, he doesn't have to worry about that. It's been some time. I would, I would have made the argument even after three rings um, to the two with Miami and the one with Cleveland. And also again, revi- you know, Cleveland bringing the first championship to the city of Cleveland in, in a half century and, and the Cavaliers first championship. Like these are all things that, that give him a distinct uh, profile that, um, that establish him, help establish him as one of the all time greats along with obviously just the gaudy stats, the scoring title will add another layer to it, especially since he came into the league as a guy who was viewed as, you know, a hybrid and he's a playmaker and he's, you know, he's all these other things. He was compared a lot to magic Johnson at the time for him to go get the scoring title that nobody thought everybody, anybody was going to pass Kareem anytime soon, if ever. Um, These are all things that he can, if he, if he sits back for a minute says, am I satisfied? He could be that. Do I think that LeBron would actually like to grab another couple of championships? Of course. Like, mm. I don't like you use the word content, and I don't know if content is is the word I would necessarily use. I think there's a version of it. I think that mm. there's he knows that if his career ended tomorrow, he's he's done everything he needed to do. He's won multiple yes, championships, exactly, mul- multiple MVPs, Finals MVPs. Um, all right, let's say he knows he's one is, of the two. He's yeah. going to be just argued about between yeah. Jordan and LeBron for the rest right. of his life. Like he just knows yes. that. Yes. There's a, there's a, there's a two man argument and he's one of the two people in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if, if older generations of fans want to say, well, it's, it's a bigger argument than that, than that, you got to throw in Kareem and Bill Russell, but fine, whatever the discussion is, LeBron, LeBron's in it, mm-hmm. no matter what generation you're coming from and no matter, uh, what, you know, who, who you are, uh, you know, a partisan for, um, no one's going to change their opinion on LeBron if he gets a ring with the Bucks at forty. <laughs> no, and, and if he and if he even if he somehow revived the Lakers and won two more with them, mm-hmm. um, and and got to six, the people who think he's never he can't touch Jordan aren't going to change their minds, and the people who are already pro LeBron aren't going to change. Like nothing is going to change. So yes, mm-hmm. to that extent, he could be content. I don't think he is because I think he's still an intense competitor. Who listen, if we're going to to read anything into that, um apparently now deleted instagram tweet mm-hmm. if it's taking if anybody's taking him for granted it may be the idea that he's still playing at an incredibly high level and he doesn't have the guys around him to help him win more championships and they are in fact wasting <laughs> his final seasons as an elite player that is by definition kind of taking him for granted and and mm-hmm. to me that's about the lakers not about all of us out in, in punditry world for sure um true or false russell westbrook is on an nba roster to start next year howard so my my crossover podcast co-host and colleague at Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix, was the first one I heard say this out loud last season, which was if they traded Westbrook today and he got bought out, 
Manic said, I don't think anybody's picking him up. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's the kind of thing when you say it out loud, sounds kind of hot takey and mm -hmm. even more so then less so with every passing month, every passing game. Um, I'm not convinced that anybody's signing him even mm -hmm. for the minimum because, and it's not, that's not to say that Westbrook can't still do some things on the court at a very high level. It's just that like an Allen Iverson toward the end of his career, um, like some other guys who who haven't aged well, but who have always been used to having the entire offense, the entire team re uh, revolve around them. It's really hard. Yes, you still have some skills and athleticism that should help contribute to winning, that that should be useful on a court. But if you can only do it one way, your way, then teams don't see any reason to sign you, right? So with Westbrook, first the first thing you do is you look at at all thirty teams, cross off. The teams that he's already been with, I don't think any of them are, are bringing him back. Um, cross off the teams that already have an established, really good young point guard or even a veteran point guard. Teams are just established at the position. Russ is not playing off the ball. We've, we've, we're seeing that in real time now. He does not play off the ball well. The offense has to be in his hands for him to be effective. Cross off any team that wants to make him a backup because we know he doesn't want to be a backup. Cross off teams that are rebuilding because they're going young and don't need Westbrook you know, consuming all those possessions. What's left? Like, where does, it's not about whether or not he can help a team. You cannot, if fans think like, oh, you know, people saying that Westbrook wouldn't have a team if he were waived tomorrow and that no one would sign him. Uh, you're just hating on Westbrook. No, it's not about that. You have to look at this through the, the most uh, practical lens, the pra most pragmatic view, which is, what team would want to sign him because it makes sense? Who does he make sense for? And if you go through the 30 teams right now, Chase, you tell me if there's a single team that if Westbrook were a free agent tomorrow morning, that it would make sense for them to sign him. Not, is he still good? Not, can he do this? Can he do that? Not, are we disrespecting? Just, is there a team that he actually makes sense on? I can't, I can't find one. Probably the Mavericks, if anybody. It's like the only one. It's like if you really wanted to just <laughs> like <laughs> where it's kind of like the Trey Young thing where they've tried to find the right uh, here in Atlanta. Like they've tried to find the Trey Young backup. And this year it's Aaron Holiday. I think they kind of figured it out finally last year with Dylan Wright. And then, of course, he's gone. Um, Aaron Holiday, he's OK. He's fine. But Trey just being the kind of usage player that he is uh, like you want to find a league guard or a six, a six man kind of like the Jordan pool, right, where who who can you can bring in your third guard instant offense i think those guards are easier to stick in uh the third guard spot and i don't know the way dallas plays i could see them just like for 12 minutes of uh no luca just hey russ just keep doing what luca was doing with the high usage and just uh i mean luca last night what his usage was 80 percent for the mavericks where that offense just everything lives and dies with luca would Jason Kidd be okay with uh, Westbrook doing that for 12 minutes a night instead of, um, I mean, a, it just insert player here with Jalen Brunson got. I think that's like the only one that came to mind that makes sense. I mean, Luca's got the ball in his hands a ton and has an even mm. higher usage rate possibly than Westbrook did at his peak. So yeah. I don't see it there. He's not going to be a backup. He doesn't play off the ball. Like, I, the, the, the Maybe he one... just has to sit though like it's what the mellow thing where he has to go away where he needs to not be on a roster for a while and yeah then... i mean look carmelo did not want to be a backup carmelo did not mm -hmm. want to be a role player carmelo could not conceive of himself that way didn't like anybody else talking about him that way but once he was almost out of the league for good and realized oh i guess i gotta do this differently i gotta i gotta adapt 
I got to accept a, a, a lesser role to still be an NBA player than he did. Mm-hmm. And to his credit, but it took a, it, that took a serious, uh, you know, reckoning with himself to come to that conclusion and accept it. I don't know that Westbrook's ever going to get there. I don't, I don't think he will. And besides that, Melo could shoot and Westbrook cannot. It's easier to be a, a, a role player when you can at least be a floor spacer and hit open threes, especially in today's NBA. And that's not Westbrook at all. Mm-hmm. Um, the only, when I try to come up with this, if I'm straining to come up with or, and, and really want to say, okay, I'm going to find a place for Westbrook. For me, it's more like maybe it's the Hornets, you know, who have nothing to lose and I don't think are going anywhere this season anyway. Um, and might just be looking to just get some butts in seats or something, right? Like I, I always, when I, at the end of the day, I start to look for the butts in seats teams. Um, once upon a time, that might have been the Magic, but now they've got Bancaro and some other young players. So I'm not sure if 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 the Magic qualify. And, and you you again, you wouldn't want Westbrook cutting into the young guys' possessions and development. Um, like if 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 all else fails, you look for the team that just needs to uh you know give the fan base something to be excited about in the short term while you're figuring out your next steps or whatever but there aren't that many teams in that position right now even some of the bad teams are already solid at the position and you wouldn't want westbrook taking possessions away again and it's it's because of the way that westbrook it's because of the fact that he's always been a a high usage point guard specifically that you can't just slot him in somewhere and have him you know play a complimentary role it's really hard to do I, I, like i say i keep looking over you know, the Spurs, he's not going to the Spurs. Like they're not signing mm. him. Like I, I keep looking for teams that just, ah, what the heck, let's take a flyer and sell some tickets and have some excitement. I, there's just, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. I, I, if he were cut tomorrow, I'm not sure he plays again. Of the three who have had some early, early success here in the NBA season out West, the Blazers, the Pelicans and the Jazz, who of those three would you be least surprised is still in the top four come March, Howard? The three teams were the, the Blazers, Pelicans, and Jazz. Mm-hmm. Who That's would definitely, you be least? Definitely the Pelicans. Okay. The, the Pelicans have the highest upside of those three for sure. Um, the Jazz will eventually finish as a bottom four or five team as 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 we all expected um they they'll in fact they'll probably be a bottom three team now, the, the jazz need to to be in the Wembenyama sweepstakes there's nothing else to play for i know some people are you know either whether they're putting a lot of stock into their start or just putting a lot of stock in the idea that look they've got all these good you know no great players but many good players and some veterans they're not going to let this go like they're going to eventually find a new home for you know some of these players they're going to ship guys out i don't know where they'll all go but the the jazz have nothing to gain by being a good team this season. You don't ship out Gobert and, and Donovan Mitchell and decide to hit the reset button just so that you can then accidentally scrap your way into the play play in and ruin your lottery chances at a time when there's, you know, a Victor Wembanyama on the board. So no Laurie Markin is the new Larry Bird for you. Um yes, but but somewhere else. <laughs> by by all means, if you want to make Larry Markin and uh Larry Bird 2022 fine, but mm-hmm. just it's not happening in Utah is all I'm saying. Um, I think they have to move multiple dudes, though. Like that was the thing yeah. about Utah coming into the year is people who were penciling them in the Wimbanyana sweepstakes. It's like teams that have that many competent ro- uh, older role players don't lose. That's not a team that's going to be in the bottom two, three. They'll zone. wear down. Yep. They'll wear down. They'll get hurt. Mike yeah. Conley will get hurt. You know, I'm not wishing that on him. Obviously, I'm just saying, yeah. like, you know, odds are at that age with that mileage. Um, 
but yeah, they'll trade guys. Now, the funny thing is I was having this discussion with a scout about a week ago where, mm. where I was saying, ah, they'll just, you know, they'll trade Matt Markin and they'll trade Conley. And he says, where are they trading Conley? And I started trying to come up with Conley trades and I couldn't find one. Again, mm. a lot of teams are just pretty well set at the position already. Conley could help, but um, at this stage of his career, you know, he's you're not getting, you know, Memphis Mike Conley. Um, maybe he's a buyout guy. Maybe and 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 maybe um, maybe somebody else gets hurt somewhere else, and they say, oh, you know what, we could really use a Mike Conley to stabilize us for our playoff run. Mm-hmm. Um, so there'll there'll be there'll be something. The, the Jazz will eventually be where we expected them to be through one means or another. The Trailblazers, I love what I've seen so far. Unfortunately, you know Lillard's now hurt already yeah. and is out for a couple of weeks, but I think that they have shown that. Um, this this kind of rebuild on the fly that they've done that we were all a little skeptical about might have some actual legs to it and they've, they've looked really good and when healthy they're going to be in the mix at least for playing i don't know if they're a top six team but they'll they you know they should be in the play-in and maybe grab what the seventh or eighth seed through the play-in the pelicans are the team i have the most faith in just because mm. of the profile um they became a playoff team without zion that trade for cj mccollum from the blazers uh was a a a phenomenal move uh by the pelicans uh they have weathered some early injuries and still won games without zion playing without ingram playing because he's got a concussion without uh herb jones missed a a game or so like they just are really solid they're deep they're young um i I think you know they've they've got a plausible big three right like i know mccollum has not been an all-star but he's got all-star caliber talent and had he not been playing with Dame all those years might have made an all-star team or two um we know zion is is you know all nba caliber and we know that ingram um is an all-star so and they've got good good role players like i i think i think the pelicans are legit i think they're potentially a top six team outright pelicans uh the cj herb uh ingram zion uh jonas valanciunas lineup that five men unit is the best in the nba this season at plus 30 and 30 minutes Small sample size theater Gotta there you it. go do you know who's actually the worst i'll give you a hint you saw them last night howard <laughs> the brooklyn nets brooklyn nets Kyrie, uh, ben simmons royce o'neill kevin durant uh nick claxton minus 35 and 49 minutes yeah that that's not surprising um the nets worst in the nba though worst five-man lineup in the nba to this point Who's playing yeah, no, that part of it is surprising. Like the the numbers aren't surprising. Um, but sorry, I've got an eyelash or something going on here. Um, the the, the Nets aren't the Nets having uh, a a a bad uh, net rating or plus minus for their starting five is not surprising. That is the worst in the league, um, <laughs> even by what we've seen so far. Still, a well, you've seen it in person. What's yeah. wrong? Like you're in the building last night for the Mavs Nets, like. Yeah. What are you seeing? How much of it is Ben Simmons? How much of it is just Kevin Durant and Kyrie are having to do literally everything? How like what are you seeing? There was a moment last night. I want to pull this up so I can remember the exact right names. Um, there was a moment last night I looked out, and uh, Yuta Watanabe, Edmund Sumner, and who was the third person? Like three guys that I did not expect to be serious rotation players for the Nets were all out there at the same time in mm. the second quarter of a of a kind of important early season game against the Mavericks um it was it was stunning and I turned to uh to John Schumann from nba.com uh who was sitting next to me and I'm like 
Am I am I crazy? Like, what is this? Is a bad sign, right? I, this mm-hmm. is not just me. Oh, David Duke Jr. was the other one. So David okay. Duke Jr., Yuta Watanabe, and Edmund Sumner were all out there together in the second quarter of this game against the Mavericks. David Duke Jr. played 21 minutes last night. Sumner played 15, and Watanabe played 22. I mean, folks. Now. Seth Curry and Joe Harris are really important players to this team. Two of the best shooters mm-hmm. in the NBA. Two guys that you absolutely want next to a Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons core. And they're not playing right now. That's a problem. And if they are playing, then some of those, you know, end of bench guys that I mentioned aren't in the rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, still, it just shows there's a there's a, a serious lack of depth on this roster. Um and they they have as we know no interior presence at all like uh, nick claxton does some really nice things as as a as a you know center um some some shot blocking occasionally um some rebounding some diving to the basket but like nick claxton's not the guy you're going to use to like deter joel Embiid or zion williamson who just went to the rim over and over and over again on opening night in brooklyn um they just don't have enough interior presence and offensively like you you said it and i think it's true Kyrie and kevin durant have to do everything and those guys played and that was an overtime game but durant played 41 minutes last night and Kyrie played 42. Mm-hmm. royce o'neill played 41. i mean they just don't have the depth right now um and scoring wise they don't have much outside of of Kyrie and kevin durant ben simmons is supposed to be a shot creator and he had four assists in 37 minutes last night. Ben Simmons is not fitting in well at all. Like, I'm not, I'm not sure where to begin with Ben Simmons because there's so many different ways to try to figure out what is missing with Ben Simmons and what's wrong and why. Is it context? Is it health? Is it his mental approach to the game? Is it comfort? Is it all of these things combined? Which probably, yes. But, you know, again, plausible big three, right? Kevin Durant, a former MVP, Kyrie Irving and all NBA caliber talent. Ben Simmons has been all NBA within the last few years. Sometimes they're, they're not as, you know, sometimes all the talent is not better than the sum of its parts. And, and this is a, a case where at least early on, and it is still early, and this is, you know, Simmons's first season with them, but it's it's not looking real promising. Do you think Simmons is on this roster past the trade deadline? Yeah, because I don't think, again, to to the point, I, I'd run this by some, some rival scouts as well recently and, and front office folks. I said, if they wanted to trade Ben Simmons or Kyrie Irving right now, what's the market? Mm-hmm. And and they said the market's actually better for Kyrie because he's on an expiring deal. Like you can mm-hmm. take a flyer on Kyrie. Plus Kyrie, you know, Kyrie's going to put numbers up. Kyrie, for all of his, uh, let's just say, eccentricities, mm-hmm. um, is a really productive and really talented player who makes an impact on the court immediately. And you'd get him on a one-year deal. You could re-sign him or not re-sign him. Um, whereas Ben Simmons has multiple years left and right now looks like a shell of himself. Um, I don't, I don't think you can make a bet. Like it's a, it's a fair question based on the, the failures so far of the nets to say, well, is Ben Simmons going to be here past the trade deadline? The problem is I just, I just don't know that there's a market for Ben Simmons right now. Your, we'll end on this, Howard, your hottest week one NBA take (laughs) is what? Oh, I'm not a hot takes person. So it's, it's, I strained to come up with this when, uh, when you mentioned in an email that you might ask me this. Um, are you a hot coffee person or cold coffee person? Oh, hot coffee for sure. Yeah, okay, and a lot, okay. a lot of it. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, no sugar, no cream, by the way, just black. Yes. Same here. Um, but so my hottest take is probably my coffee. Um, 
I, so I couldn't, I didn't really actually come up with a hot take, but I did, there were several bullet points. I just kind of jotted down of things that I'm, I'm reevaluating after mm. a week of the NBA, right? Um, things that have forced me to kind of take a step back. Mm-hmm. One is, and somebody tweeted this earlier, it might have been Tommy Beer, uh, like, are the Knicks the best team in New York? Like, <laughs> I mean, literally on the, in the standings that they are right now. Mm-hmm. But um, the Knicks may be the better than the sum of their parts team, whereas the Nets are the worse than the sum of their parts team. So, like, the, the Nets have all the marquee talent, but the Knicks might actually have the better team. Um, Which is funny because you know in an instant, like, if you, if the, you pose it to the Knicks front office, like, Okay, you can have Kyrie and Kevin Durant now if you want them. They would immediately blow this entire thing up and just trade for them. A couple of years ago, they might have. Right now, I think they, they might actually tell you, you know what, we're good. You know? Do you think so? Only because Durant is at the stage of his career where I I think you start to worry about longevity and about, mm. um, you know, look, he Durant hasn't, Durant's been amazing when he's been on the court the last couple of years. It's the same thing as I was mentioning with LeBron earlier. MVP level when he plays. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's, but he's playing 60 games a season. And yeah. so, and you don't know, you know, I mean, it, the Achilles is, is still a thing. Like he had Achilles surgery within the not so distant past. And it's not that guys can't come back and play at a high level after an Achilles. It's more that you'll get hurt more often. Your longevity is decreased. Um, it, it, it eventually has an impact. So I don't know. I mean, I, look, that's a fun that's a fun question to play with too. I don't I don't know whether the Knicks would do that swap. I do think that the Knicks have what looks like a better than the sum of their parts team, where there's not a single guy who might make the All Star team this year, um, but the pieces seem to fit and they're playing well together. And you know, look, it's really early, and the Knicks have had a very soft schedule, but Jalen Brunson's looked incredible for them. And Randall looks like he's got his head in a better place now after having a really strange season last year. Um, and the Nets, like, I, man, I don't, I don't have any faith in where the Nets are, are, are heading from here. And again, it's early. And so, you know, I'm, I'm one who's going to be the first one to say, let's not, you know, make snap judgments after a week of games. But I think there's, there's troubling signs, legit troubling signs for the Nets that go beyond just how they've played in a week of games. Um, Can you imagine poor Sean Marks just as we're recording this, just texting over and over again to RC, just like Jakob Pertl, look, we get it. You love him, but like we need him more than you guys. Like you're going for Victor. We just need Jakob. Can you please? Come on, RC. We're boys, man. We go way back. (laughs) Just give me Jakob Pertl, please. And they're like, we'll give you a Zach Collins. You're like, I don't need more guys that are going to play 12 games for me every year. No, give me Jakob. Yeah, I mean, I'll be curious to see. This is a really interesting question to think about for the Nets, right? Um, how long, how deep into the season are you still working under the assumption that you're keeping this all together despite everything that happened in the off season and despite what we've seen on the court so far. And so therefore are trying to, to make more all in win now moves. Right. Mm. I mean, they traded for Royce O'Neal at a time that people thought that the nets were still going to implode mm-hmm. and you don't trade for Royce O'Neal if you're trading away Kevin Durant. So are they still all in? Are they still trying to, to just make this work come hell or high water, in which case your Jakob Pertl premise is valid? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, at what point do they pivot to, um, yeah, uh, this this ain't going anywhere. We're, we're a disaster. Um, we we got to try to find a way to blow it up. I mean, at what point? Because the thing is, the real question isn't, are, is Ben Simmons still on the roster come, tr- come trade deadline or Kyrie Irving? It's, is, is Kevin Durant? Like mm. that's what's that's where this is all eventually headed. If things don't turn around, at some point you have to decide or or come to the conclusion that this we you know, we we look we to our credit as an organization we managed to 
not come apart at the seams during the offseason. We, we got Kevin Durant to, to come back into the fold. Kyrie comes back into the fold. Steve Nash is still here. Sean Marks is still there. But that that just kind of papered it over. And mm-hmm. if you're and if you're winning, it's fine. You can paper over a lot of things if you're winning. People's bad feelings about each other, lack of it doesn't matter. If you're winning, everything's fine. So a 15 and five start to the next season makes everything seem fine. A five and 15 start to the next season uh, makes the whole summer look like, you know, a, a brush fire um, that's now, you know, getting, you know, 40 mile an hour winds blowing at it. So I, I think the real question is, do they, or do they get bad enough that they have to think about blowing it up and once again, seeing whether there are good deals out there for Kevin Durant. Lakers are definitely cheering for this demise. Like, oh yeah, keep losing. Like uh, the Kyrie, just w- being able to revisit the Kyrie stuff at the, the Kyrie for Westbrook plus the two yeah. picks. Listen, if, if the Nets are going, like, I don't want to make, I don't, I, if I'm the Nets, I have no desire to trade for Westbrook and I have no desire to. Well, if you bring like, in Westbrook, you don't play him, right? Like he's right. Him, like, you yeah. Just trade I, you just Westbrook want Durant. Like there's, we're not having some big, happy, you know, fuzzy reunion with Kevin mm-hmm. Durant, Russell Westbrook. I don't think that's happening. Um, you're doing it for the picks, but if you're doing mm-hmm. it for the picks, then you've decided that you can't win anymore. And if you decided you can't win anymore, then you should be trading Kevin Durant also. And maybe that mm-hmm. is, maybe that is the case. Maybe, um, maybe what we're talking about in mid February is Kyrie Irving is now a Laker. Westbrook has uh, been traded and bought out. The Nets are happy owners of the Nets of the uh, Lakers future picks. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kevin Durant is a Celtics. Oh, the Celtic. <laughs> I don't know. Who are you giving up in the Celtics? Maybe not, maybe it's point? not. The, yeah, listen, and the thing is, the way the Celtics are winning, like it makes you mm. really hesitant. Even if it's like, well, Kevin Durant's still an upgrade over Jalen Brown, but if they're if they're playing this way and Jalen Brown is, you know, however many years younger, um, so no, maybe Durant is a Raptor. Maybe Durant is a mm. Sun. Um, I don't I don't know. Raptors would be the most fun. Raptors would be. I mean, it'd be great, but I mean, they're not giving up Scotty Barnes still. Mm. You know. Um, I don't know, uh, but you know the Nets will get to a point potentially where they're more desperate and have to accept maybe a lesser package than what they were willing to do in July and August. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Kevin Durant for Kenny Atkinson. <laughs> uh, Kenny, Kenny got screwed. <laughs> I mean, that's how you do it. You're like, all right, we were wrong. Bring you back. Kenny, like, I think Kenny's got a very happy life in the Bay Area, pl- working for the Warriors, though. So much so that he. Uh, you know, agreed to and then backed out of a, a deal to, to be the head coach of the Charlotte Hornets just to, to stay as a top assistant with the Warriors, which I think was a very good move. A very good move for him. Uh, but also, I'm curious to see if like the a lot of people wonder like, oh, how is the what are some of the biggest wonders of the world? And uh, that can be all kinds of things. For me, one of the biggest wonders of the world is can Steve Clifford, who loves nothing more than dragging any kind of Eastern Conference team to an eight seed, no matter what the context of the roster. I, I just I want to see if even with this group, can he do it? Can he make the playoffs? which he is just built to go down with one big win with TJ Augustine at point guard, get that one playoff win and then say, Hey, the is, playoff streaks alive. That man is loves nothing more than getting the most out of nothing. And is, is that on his like LinkedIn profile or his, his indeed.com resume? Hi, I'm yes. Steve Clifford. I get <laughs> crappy teams to the eighth seed where we lose in four or five games, but yes, but, but, but I, I, I can, I can revive your team too on a very temporary basis and get you, make you just good enough to miss the lottery. <laughs> He's the all-time great interim coach. It's like if you want to make the playoffs or you're just like, I need the guy to raise our ceiling, but not too much, it's him. Yeah. 
Steve yeah. Colbert. He's great at it. It's his, yeah. his gift. Uh, yeah. Um, Howard, what can the good folks check out from you over at si.com this week? Uh, appreciate it. Um, most recently had a uh, in-depth profile of James Weissman of the Warriors, which posted uh, last week, but is still up on si.com. Check that out. Of course, my recent profile of Zion Williamson, which was our cover story for the NBA preview issue. Crossover podcast, couple episodes this week. Uh, Chris Maddox and I breaking down a bunch of stuff earlier in the week. And then the episode that uh, posted today, Friday, uh, my interview with Danny Green of the Memphis Grizzlies, talking about a whole lot of things, including his analysis of Ben Simmons as a former teammate. Um, I should also plug, by the way, uh, we talked a lot about the Lakers at the top. Um, Book, The Greatest Show on Earth, which is a collaboration between us, I and Triumph Books is out soon. You can go to triumphbooks.com and find it there. If you go to triumphbooks.com and uh, search for greatest show on earth, uh, the Laker book and type in uh, the promo code Lakers 30, you can get a 30% discount on the book. Um, But it is a, uh, it's a compilation of 15 uh, stories about the Lakers from sports illustrated over the last 50, 60 years. So there's profiles of Elgin Baylor and Will Chamberlain, Kareem, Magic, Kobe, Shaq, LeBron, um, I wrote the forward for it, which is uh, why I am uh, plugging. I would plug it anyway. It's a great book, but I got the honor of writing the forward. So that was pretty freaking cool. Um, and uh, that is out soon. Um, great coffee table book. Great Christmas gift. Um, go check that out. Don't take it to the bathroom. You won't be able to return it. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I mean, not advisable. Kind of not mm-hmm. cool. Also kind of gross yeah. for other people in the household, you know, or at, or at the bookstore, if you were trying to return it, it's a coffee table book. It should be on the coffee table anyway. Yeah. Not, you know, not on the, on the back of the uh, toilet. Where's your favorite place to read? Oh, um, I got a couch right here behind me in my, my little home office. So there's, mm. there's, there's that, uh, we have a tiny, it was, you know, we were in Brooklyn. We have this tiny, tiny, tiny little balcony. <laughs> on mm-hmm. the back of our condo second floor here um so but it's just big enough that on a nice day you can kind of kick your feet up out there and enjoy mm-hmm. the sun and and the sounds of brooklyn you know cars <laughs> honking and you know people yelling at each other it's, it's yeah. lovely yeah defecation everywhere it's a it's a beautiful <laughs> let's not get crazy let's <laughs> not, uh, in, my, well, in, not my, in my neighborhood chase we'll end on this uh howard uh tennessee kentucky this weekend uh who do you got you're a big college football guy that I'm, I know. I'm not in the least a college football guy it is mm-hmm. uh it, it is is uh among the lo- i i've actually uh I, people are often shocked and disappointed to hear this when i tell them uh i don't watch any other sports anymore like no, really nba and that's it um, nothing else nothing zero yeah so like literally zero. I couldn't tell you what's happening in any other sport. I couldn't tell you three coaches in the NFL right now. We need to like, okay, SI corporate. I need y'all to pivot and throw Howard on the NFL beat the rest of the year, the college football beat. And I want to see just how be, it goes. Just, just to be utterly confused. I was no, a huge it, NFL be... fan growing up. It's the mm. reason I got into sports writing and I have not watched the NFL on a regular basis in about 15 years. Interesting. At I least a lot of folks do that, longer. right? Like a, as you get older, you just kind of, if you're on a beat and you're on a beat for so You're fan. Yeah, for most of us, the fandom dies uh, mm. because it's just it's 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 a job. It's a great job, but it's a job. Um, so you're you're no longer invested emotionally. So there's that part of it. Um, a lot of look, a lot of my peers in this business um, still consume a lot of sports, still mm. watch the other sports, and there's sometimes some of them are still even fans, not of NBA teams, but they might still be a Yankee fan or a Steelers fan or whatever. Right? They'll root in other sports that just not in the NBA. Um, for me, it was just more like the NBA consumes so much of my time and yeah. my just, you know, mental energy that I just don't feel like 
I have time for anything else other than my family and whatever else I want to do, you know, music and, and, you know, streaming TV and whatever, like, I, you know, I want to, I want to watch, you know, uh, you know, house of the dragon when I've got spare time, not mm -hmm. NFL games. Right. Like I just, at a certain point it was reprioritizing. Like I watch a, a, a massive amount of hours of NBA games every season, every year. When I'm not watching the NBA, I don't want to watch any other sports. I just I just want to hmm. watch something that's not sports. I want to do something else. I want to spend time with my wife and daughter. I want to go for a walk. I want to do anything other than sitting in front of my TV watching more sports. I just I, I don't I don't care enough anymore. So you're all in on Love Is Blind season three. <laughs> I've not Cole watched sucks, that one. Right. The best shows I've seen recently, or the best ones I've binged recently, um, Reservation Dogs gets my highest recommendation. That's okay. on that's on Hulu. Mm -hmm. um only murders in the building uh great it's new york fantastic show. love uh, that show yeah and there's some funny new york stuff in there um so that's fantastic too um recently binged both seasons of uh industry um, i haven't watched that that was that was uh that was something um mm. enjoyed that <laughs> um but yeah can't wait for succession to come back so yeah yes. those are the things i want to do when i'm not watching nba basketball rather than um you know trying to figure out what's going on in you know i don't know professional pickleball that's hey it's growing every it seems like every big time athletes <laughs> it is i feel like i actually have to get informed on pickleball now just because of, of nba players investing in it but um but i still haven't the only thing i know about pickleball is older people tear their achilles playing pickleball <laughs> more than any other sport because that... you're, you're running back and forth really hard and it's <laughs> just it's a sneaky dangerous sport for uh for the older for, crowd for people of my crowd. age yes I'm, I'm i will not be taking a pickleball then i don't need i don't need to be tearing my achilles no because you're moving quick and it, it sneaks up on you you think it's just yeah. easy going sport but that's how you pop an achilles is the quick uh the quick change of direction like that yeah. and you know right. i've been i've been forewarned i will not be taking a pickleball <laughs> there you go howard beck thank you so much for the time this has been a blast i greatly appreciate it go uh, subscribe to si.com and uh get up the get the book triumph books you have not already pre-order all that good stuff and uh howard we'll have to talk again soon absolutely thanks for having me chase this was fun nicely done nephew chase thomas podcast hell yeah